hey, just really quickly, every two weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming service Movie. These are great platforms to watch some of the films that we'll be talking about during the show. So all you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it. This is Holly Golightly, played by Audrey Hepburn. This is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I am your host, Trey Epps, and today we're talking about 1961's Breakfast at at Tiffany's. Based on the Truman Capote book, the film follows a young New York socialite who becomes interested in a man who has moved into her apartment building but her past threatens to get in the way. The style of Hepburn's Holly, the love letter to New York, the Japanese neighbors are all things that held this film to an iconic level. The very quotable film sees Audrey Hepburn shine and solidify herself as a Hollywood legend in the golden age of Hollywood. It is undeniable that this film has one name, and one name only, it is Audrey Hepburn. The film, technically a two-handed rom-com by today's standards, doesn't share the spotlight with anyone other than Audrey. Up until this point, Hepburn has been a staple in Hollywood with films like Funny Face, Sabrina, Roman Holiday, and actor George Pepper joined her as her number two, rounding out the cast with Mickey Rooney, who plays Mr. Yoniyoshi, and Fred Flintstone himself, Alan Reed. And let's not forget Orangey the Cat, who was one of several cats in the film, who has 18 credits and two Patsy Awards. So that's definitely two more awards than I'll ever have. Uh, But the film was written by George Axelrod, who previously wrote The Seven Year Itch. And the film was directed by Blake Edwards, who last helmed Operation Petticoat and High Time, which starred... Bing Crosby, and Cary Grant. This film is so iconic, but if we need to list off its accolades, it's a part of the National Film Registry, it's part of a few AFI lists, and nominated for, well, a few awards, but certainly uh, Academy Award for Best Song, and at which I believe it won. Okay, so what happens in the film? The film opens with Hepburn's Holly Golightly getting out of a taxi cab on Fifth Avenue in New York City with a coffee and a pastry and doing exactly what the title of the movie suggests. She is having her breakfast at Tiffany's where she's staring at a window, at a Tiffany's window looking at the jewelry. 
which doesn't happen in New York, by the way. We follow we follow Holly as she finally makes her way home, disturbing her neighbor because she never has her key, and arrives to find a man waiting for her, wanting her attention and seemingly wanting to have sex. Unclear, but it seems that he wants something from her, if not just her company. And next we find a new tenant moving in, Paul. The two have an odd exchange, and the friendship is born. Uh, class as a socialite, but more of a girl who gets paid for her time. Holly finds herself at the center of the party and doing as she wants. She cares and wants for nothing other than for her brother Fred, who's in the war, to come home. Paul, and much, much more of a B story, uh, is a writer who finds himself having an affair with a married woman who also pays him. And we kind of close out there. As her friendship, as her friendship with Paul continues, we find out that Holly's ex-husband is in town. We learn that Holly's real name is Lula May and was a child bride who, insane, married this man at 14 years old. And he is back wanting her to return home with him. She doesn't and instead leaves that life behind once for once and for all uh, and is focused on the present. Holly's objective now is to marry Rich and Paul's feelings for Holly deepen. Not without, not without many mishaps with the mafia police, do we find, mafia and police, do we find Holly ready to leave? Oh. She doesn't, and instead leaves that life behind for once and for all. Focused on the present, Holly's objective now is to marry Rich while Paul's feelings for her deepen. Not without minor mishaps with the mafia and the police do we find Holly ready to leave the country to marry a rich man. But as Act 3 comes to a close, Paul spills a big speech and the two of them make out in the rain with nothing but a cat between them. Moon River plays for the 40th time and the credits roll on. If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, time for some fun facts. Audrey Hepburn's salary for the film was $750,000, making her the highest paid actress at the time. And, you know, for that scene inside of Tiffany's, that itty-bitty scene inside of Tiffany's, Tiffany's had to open up on a Sunday for the first time in the 19th century so that they could film inside that store. And, of course, everything was surrounded by armed guards, which is unsurprising. But if you think about the time frame, this is very, very interesting. Lastly, elements of Holly's character that was in the novel by Truman Capote have been sort of rewritten, obviously, for the film, including her bisexuality. 
to make the film much more suitable for audiences, but also for Audrey Hepburn, who, albeit still, is found in the strip club scene, ogling women with Paul, which I think is really, really fun scene, honestly, to see right now. And my last fact, my last, my last, last fact is that in France, breakfast at Tiffany's is known as Diamonds on Toast. That is not confirmed, but I read that somewhere and it stuck with me because I thought it was very, very interesting. Okay, so here are my thoughts. As a New Yorker, I'm embarrassed to say that I haven't seen this film before. In fact, I'm sure a lot of these films, you'll hear me saying that because, I mean, that's the point. We don't look at films like these anymore. But that said, I, I have seen Audrey Hepburn's films, other films, and I was excited to watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. I was excited to eat Breakfast at Tiffany's when uh, Tiffany's opened up the cafe a few years back. And truly, uh, a product of its time, this film can only be seen in the time in which it was made. And it's hard to judge a film like this in the context of the present, because I think we are very easy to judge the characters uh, and the story. And I think a lot of it is fairly problematic, but there are things to praise. I mean, I I adore, I adore and and really enjoy the fact that Holly is someone who wears the same things over and over and over again. You'll notice that she's wearing the same things throughout the film and just changing, changing jewelry or accessories or something like that, which I, I enjoy for someone who, who's lived in New York and hasn't had much to, to, you know, keep up with the gossip girls around town. It was something interesting to me. And yeah, I'm even fine with her being a bit of a prostitute and owning, like she was, by the way, this is not me calling that out. She was a bit of a prostitute or a call girl, whatever you want to call it. But so was Paul. Paul was someone who who slept with a married woman and he made, he made uh, ends meet by doing this. But I wish there was an aspect that played it up more. I wanted to see... Like, I think if this film was made today, I think we would see a bit more into their lives instead of the idea that, you know, Paul just got money and before Paul got money for sex, we never exactly saw what what uh, Holly Golightly's character did for money other than going to see the, the mafia boss, Alan Reed, in jail. And yeah, I, I just wish, I, I, I wish we saw Holly's life and what she exactly she was doing because I think when you pair that with the men just demanding sex, demanding her attention, like grabbing on her and, and doing all these things. It's fairly abrasive and it's, it's, it's hard to look at and it just rubs me the wrong way because I think if we saw, I, I think if we saw her story more and we're able to understand the context of it all, we maybe get it because I think bits of the book and bits of bits of the book were being left out of the film. And it's hard to really understand why in the world she would tolerate these guys who were just, pawing at her this way and I know this happens in real life but I think it's really unfortunate <laughs> the language of the film as a reflection of the culture at the time is super unfortunate I mean we look at Mickey Rooney's character and it's a huge mistake and the casting was a mistake and I, I think we would all be happier if you know the the Japanese man that was living upstairs doing all this stuff, uh, stereotypical things was actually a Japanese man but and the whole thing was a disaster and Mickey Rooney has come out to both defend the role and and separately denounce it 
but this is a thing that we have in cinema for a very long time with no signs of it going away. I mean, we have Emma Stone in Aloha and Johnny Depp in Lone Ranger and Al Pacino in Scarface and what? West Side Story. We have, oh, let's not forget Matt Damon. But uh, every time there is a mostly white production of Hamilton, I, I sit there and want to scream because, you know, it's it's a shame that people just, people of color just can't have the roles that, that were meant for them, let alone fighting with production to, to get roles changed, to get roles that are meant to be for white people changed to a woman, changed to a, changed to a person of color. Anywho, I, I won't go on this rant about the injustices of, the, of this too much, but it is something to be seen. And, and again, remarked about in 2020. But again, we are talking about a film that's, I don't know, near, oh, over 50 years old. Nevertheless, it's still absolutely wrong. Anywho, all of that said, I don't think this film is required watching. It's fun, but it's cringy, and it doesn't make the overall experience enjoyable. Hepburn, as always, is a star, but her charisma doesn't make this film timeless. So, that's our episode. Uh, I'm your host, what can Trey be learned. Uh, what did you think from of the movie? This film did I get it right, or was I completely off base? Leave a message, and we'll play it during our, ex, our next episode in disguise. Uh, I think Required I watching think is a movie club, so as much as I love to hear my own voice, shine, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message, or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. Who knows if that is good or bad, but... But hey, know. just but really quickly, every two stars, weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming it. service Movie. These are great platforms um, so to watch some of the films again, that we'll be talking about during the show. So all watching. you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it.